we've talked before about custom rods uh, and why they really do have a really big place in our community. And it is, again, you know, one of those things that people look at and go, oh, do I need it? I don't know. But there's something I didn't talk about last time, and we're going to talk about it about it more this week with Mr. Wes Motzinger of Mott's Custom Rods and Reels. So, hope you're ready for a good one. We're going to talk, get some education going. You're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Let's get after it this morning. starts the show every time for me it just gets me going doesn't matter what's going on what time it is where i am ah always always good all right so like i said this week we are talking to mr wes from amat's custom rods and reels uh hence i I want you to pay attention to the reels part because i I got some stuff that's going to go on that i already know it but rods in general we've talked about these so many times and people are like oh it's so expensive i don't need a custom rod okay cool maybe you do maybe you don't I want you to listen to some of the stuff on this one because I think you're going to get your head twisted a little. That's just me. So without further ado, Wes, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How's it going? Oh, it's great here, man. I'm, a, I'm still traveling, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in my normal home of the panhandle, So, but it's all good. It's going to be great. Cool. You're, you're cool. in North Carolina, right? Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Right in the state um, in Winston-Salem. So we have... Uh, about an hour from the mountains and then we're uh then we're about three and a half hours from uh the nearest coast um wilmington area and then about five and a half hours to cape hatters point. wow okay yeah you're definitely up you get real winter yeah yeah we do <laughs> oh boy a little chill just thinking about those so I know we've already talked a little bit pre-show and we've talked before uh, about your stuff. Uh, your rods and reels. So before I even get into the questions uh, that we talked about before, I'm actually going to throw one at you that we didn't throw on here. Tell me about the the reels portion of your business. Well, we do you know reels servicing stuff like that, um, and we also do upgrading and drags uh, bearings. Um, do a lot of different going in and polishing out the gears. Um, we do a, at one time. That's how we kind of got started. Was uh, doing distance casting uh, with a like say a Boo Garcias. Um, so what we're doing is going in and just tweaking on the reels, um, polishing bearings out or polishing uh, uh, rub rings out, things like that in the reels. So it comes out to where you know you get more distance out of them, things like that. Um, so we did that for for several years before we started building rods. Um, so the real, the real servicing is really a big deal. Um, real repair, as long as we get parts, it's been a fiasco uh, since uh, COVID hit. I was getting parts in. Um, but it's been, been good. Um, so we just do real repair. Um, and we also do uh, upgrading bearings and even in bass reels, we do a lot of bass reels, uh, ceramic bearings, things like that. Um, and then putting drags in, just getting them smoother trying to make them better than what they were for you from the factory. Oh, man. So with that 
when you get them in, uh, let's say if I sent you just say, you know, hell, we'll just go with a pen battle three. Uh, seems to be the common running across there. Well, what what would be the normal? Hey, you know what? I would recommend these upgrades and this service to it. Honestly, right out of the box, a Battle Three is probably one of the best drills there is for the bank for the buck. Um, it's already got carbon drags in them. Um, so what we do with those is we just pretty much service them. Um, the best thing on a pin Battle Three to do to them is get the old pin grease out. Um, it's a little bit, it's just a little bit too gummy, um, especially about second season in, it'll start getting tight on you. Um, so what we do is we just go out and uh, put new grease in it. We've got a mixture of greases that I actually come up with over the last couple of years. Um, and so you end up putting a, uh, I've got two different greases I put in, mix them up and go in and coat everything on the inside, especially saltwater reels. Um, a lot of guys are not going to dunk the reels, but it just keeps that performance still there. It keeps it from uh, getting uh, corrosion issues, say down like, you know, two years down the road or whatever. So you, you're actually bat, out of the box. Like when I get a brand new battle, I actually tear it down, pull all the grease out, ultrasonic clean the whole reel, um, tear everything down, ultrasonic clean, even the screws, everything, then put it all back together with the greases I want in it. And uh, and the bearings, honestly, right out of the box on the battles are really, really good. Um, you can't actually get a better reel from pin for the bank of the buck. Wow. Okay. So there you go, everybody. They, now you know. I didn't even know that. I just figured it was a good reel. Now I'm like, all right, now I feel better. What would you say? I mean, I hate to throw this, but screw it. Let's throw somebody under the bus. What's the worst reel to work on? Akuma. Wow, really? Yeah. They're, uh, Akuma, they have some of their higher-end stuff is okay, but they're like Avengers, stuff like that. Um, They're just, they get to where they got a... Uh, they're really not really meant to be taken apart. It feels like sometimes. Um, and they're just so, sometimes they're just so cheaply made um, that they're just not really feasible to even fix because they're, you know, plastic frame reel or something like that, say. Um, but just getting parts from is a disaster as well. Um, trying to get a hold of anybody. It's, uh, it's not the, uh, it's not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So we, actually, we actually turned down a lot of Kumas um like i know the certain like there's certain guys that actually musky fish up here and up north uh with the akumas uh big um low profile bait casters they're you know the they're easy to get parts for um and and upgraded bearings and things like that in them but uh they're the higher end reels um but they're their lower end stuff is is pretty hard to get parts for so We've talked about the servicing there. So you can basically, everything out there on the market, you can service it. If you can find the manual on it, you can rip it apart, service it, get it all back together. Pretty much, is that about right? Yeah, yeah. We pretty much, any reel on the market, we can, we can service. As long as, you know, like I say, we can get the parts for it. Um, yeah. Some aren't feasible enough to fix. You know, you, you're like, hey, look, buddy, this thing here is, you know, it's a, you know, it's going to be right out of the box. It's going to be 25 to $35 for most saltwater reels to be cleaned. Um, so you got that already right there. So if you had to go and put in gears and say you're already at 50 and say you bought the pin fierce for 70, we'll just go buy you a brand new one because it's not going to be worth, you know, the money to be cleaning it and putting it all back together because you've still got a $70 reel, but you've got $60 in it already. <laughs> so it's so kind of like, you know, upgrading the car, upgrading the Civic, which you don't really need to upgrade the Civic. It's fine. Just leave it alone. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's talk about the upgrade side then. What kind of upgrades do you, um, I mean, hell, oh, you've taken the battle, you've taken the wind out of my sails for the battle, so let's just get the since you're telling me it's good out of the box, it's like, all right, well, that one's dead. Um, let's move to, say, uh, Shimano. Uh, spinning reel. Yep. Uh, what kind of upgrades do you recommend for a reel? Or is it kind of dealer's choice? Like, hey, what do you want to do with this? Really and honestly, the Shimano's are, for some reason, have went backwards in the last few years on uh, upgrades. So used to the Stratix, they had carbon drags already in them. In the last 10 years, eight years, I guess, maybe something like that, they had actually went back to the old felt, old felt drag washers. Oh, wow. Really? Wow, they would go backwards, but they did. Um, so that's our biggest thing right out of the box. Um, like, as soon as we get one, I put I put carbons in it, pull the old felts out. Because the felt they're using as well, even in their Stratix, the Bantfords, stuff like that, um, they're felt. So what you do is they're so thin that they'll just tear over time. So as soon as you try to pull it out, um, telling the customer, look, we're going to have to put drags in it. It's going to need drags in it. I can tell you right now because that just that's 100% chance we're going to, have to put them in <laughs> because they're just you know the felt. It's just uh, I don't know why they went back to the felt like they did, but they did. Uh, and uh, most people, you know, once they get going in that direction, they keep going in it. But Shimano had backed up for some reason. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, so. With these reels, so we got an upgrade on the drag washers. Any other upgrades you are like, hey, I like, we like doing this. We we recommend doing these things. Yeah, and what we, on the the big thing on a on like say uh, your Stratics or your you know twin spins or uh, twin power stuff like that. What we do is uh, we go in and uh, line rollers on a spinning reel on Shimano's are real notorious for uh, corroding, and. Uh, what we do is if you take a stock bearing, what I do is I clean it all out, brake clean out the bearing, and then I run it with the ultrasonic cleaner as well to get every bit of grease or grime or anything that's in it, even in it. And then when I go back and I oil it, um, the best oil we found for saltwater stuff is Real X. Um, it's made by Corrosion X brand, um, and it's an oil. It's just so, like, we're not having no problems really with none of our uh, reels that we've serviced in the past. And uh, I've got a lot of guys up in the Massachusetts area, New Jersey, New York area that, that swim out the rocks, um, surf fishing. So they're dunking their reels. Um, and the Barons and those are really staying top, you know, their top performance, even after swimming for the whole season of fishing up there. Um, that Real X is really helping on the corrosion. So these guys are all swimming. I mean, that's that's. Well, for the South, anyway, I guess, or well, hell, in general, you know, it's one of those golden. Don't do this. Don't dunk your reel. Don't get it wet. Yeah. And, and these guys are dropping them in, swimming out to the rocks because I've heard about that. Then in the Northeast, they got to get out there. But the the real X oil is really doing that well on corrosion prevention. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of, you know, the best thing is honestly to have a good bearing. Um, but you know, to have a good bearing that won't you know corrode. It's a good stainless steel, good grade of stainless steel. Um, but we're really seeing it even in the Shimano's because their line roller and their bearings, even in across the board in the Stratix or any of them, are kind of a little bit subpar. But we're seeing a good results out of that stuff. I got a lot of guys in Florida that we do stuff for. Um, quite a few guys at American Tackle um, that sells, you know, uh, we, we do uh, line repair or uh, reel repair for them. 
So with bearings needing to be done with these ones, uh, and you're working through the oil, so the Real X oil is your primary go-to, but it does a bunch of corrosion prevention and really just holds up to all the elements. It really does. Uh, you just uh, just the salt water, even the fresh waters too. But I mean, mostly the salt water you're seeing the problems with in the barrens. But that corrosion X is really that good of a of a oil. Okay. So, so we've got upgrades there with the reels. Um, what any knobs or anything like that you either do with those? You got the bearings you already talked about, but is there anything else you recommend upgrading on reels? Um, yeah, we can do knobs as well. Um, we don't do many of them because of just the problems we've had getting stuff in here lately. Um, and, and then like we were trying to buy American made stuff, but a lot of companies went out of business. And then second, you know, then you're having to wait for stuff coming out of China and that's taking forever to get anything through shipping anymore. So we've kind of just kind of limited ourselves on just bearings and drags and, uh, cause of this, you know, just making it simple for everything we got to do anymore. Yeah. makes absolute sense. We've upgraded on those ones. How often do you recommend people send you a reel to be serviced? Well, you know, if you, you know, and, and a person can fish and they know like, okay, well, did I, how much did I use it? Did I use it, you know, three times this past year or did I use it all fall uh, or, you know, all then? Um, so, you know, if it's, if, it, if you're really fishing, you know, over two week period really needs, the reel needs to be cleaned good every year um, just to keep the, uh, you know, keep everything in well working order in it. You know, uh, second, you know, we, if you're only fishing a few times a year, you know, like, you know, for like, say a week or something, I mean, you know, you don't have to bring that thing in. If you only fished, you know, in the afternoons after the, you went out there on the beach for the summer at the beach and, and you ain't down there all the time, then that's, you don't have to be cleaned every year. Um, you know, just spray it off when you're done, obviously, and you're good to go. But uh, if you're, if you're really doing some hard fishing every year, I mean, we do them once a year for the guys up, up in the New England area, um, obviously, because they're swimming out or, or whatever they may be doing, taking waves on all the time, standing out in the surf. So we like to keep those going, and, and we like to have those every year, uh, especially, you know, when it, up there, obviously, it's the middle of winter for them. So what we do is we go through their reels. Um, got several, several guys that bring in, like, they're sending their band styles or Tsunami Saltexes, uh, Slammers, um, so we just go through them every year and keep them in top performance so they're ready to go when it comes spring. Nice, man. So what's about the normal turnaround time if, you know, hey, I'm going to send you a reel? Because that's, obviously, I'm not going to drive to North Carolina and everyone's going to have to send them to you. Uh, what's about the normal turnaround time for your, your schedule's open? Hey, all right, I got a reel. I'm going to break it apart and I'm going to clean it. Right now, we're at a four-week turnaround time. Um, just because we got so many in, um, and plus custom rod orders and plus our, you know, production line of, of, uh, surf rods and inshore rods. So it, it, it's about a four week. It's coming. So if you got, yeah. that's what we do, uh, about what's the approximate, uh, I, hell, I don't even know if I should ask this because I mean, come time, but I mean, if I'm thinking about, Hey, I need to get my real service by you. What's the range I'm looking at for a full servicing? Full servicing, you know, like say your pen battles, things like that. We do them at 25 because um, they're just pretty much, they're a really simple reel, um, not too complex. Uh, you get into stratic, stuff like that. Uh, we go up to 30, 35, to, uh, depending on, you know, uh, what it's needing. You know, like, you know, if it's, a, if it's really, really crazy dirty, um, then it's, it's usually like $5 extra for, for excessive, you know, dirtiness. Um, but. You know, most of the time it starts off at 25 for most of your pins, um, your slammers and the uh, the new slammers and the new uh, 
spin fishers we're doing 35 on those just because of the complex of the uh, drags in those as well um they're just a little bit a little bit more harder to go in because they got two drag systems in those spools so what you got to do is you go in um that's another big deal is getting all the uh pims from uh california we put that in the drags on the carbons and uh you know he's ready to rock and roll okay so we've got all the upgrading things we got those pieces there and then we've got shipping it in so the price point for all that stuff that needs to happen all right so yeah. you, you had a good segue there so let's talk about the rods you so you make everything you make inshore you make surf rods what what else are we what else am i missing in the categories there so every once in a while we'll do a, a whole you know 30 rod set for a boat um that fish like say big rock stuff like that we've had some customers that's uh we've done that for we also do uh fly rods as well for even mountain trout you know uh here in north carolina so we do, you know we don't do many of those as much as we do the surf stuff our surf stuff's where the money's at um and so we just stick with that that and the uh, inshore that's your best two best bets i i've seen a only a custom a couple custom boat rods and that was on a party boat which I was surprised they had about those. Um, it's almost like they, you know, they have the boat. They, you know, I've done them in, a, a, you know, like a baby blue and a, a navy blue and say a royal blue um, and say their boat's that color. So they want it to match to it. You know what I mean? And, and, and say the whole boat is white, but then they've got those like the name and Carolina blue or, and then the bottom section of the boats, you know, uh, royal blue. So what we'll do is we'll, you know, match that rod to where it looks exactly like the boat. And uh, that's pretty fun. I, I like doing sets like that. I bet that is, man. Because it, it's that artistic added challenge right there, too. Yeah, and you've just got to repeat. You know, that's another thing. Like, you'll see guys that'll do, like, sets. And there's some very, very really good guys out there do sets as well that will have every rod in, like, say, a, a 20 to 50 rod or whatever it may be. But every one of them is exactly the same. The cork length's the same, or whatever they want to put as grips. If you're using foam or if you're using cork or whatever it may be, every piece is exactly the same. That's what you got to have, um, you know. Especially these guys, you know, has got a, you know, you know, brand new Paul Man or something like that, you know, or a Viking. You know, they wants the they want the best, you know, looking rods. You know, they got a, you know, four million dollar boat over here. They don't want to have a bunch of stuff that don't match. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. So what got you into rod making? I couldn't get the rods I wanted. Um, I was actually at the time, this was probably 12, and maybe 13 years ago now, 14 years ago. Um, what we done was we were, I was in the bass fishing at the time pretty heavy, and I was also in the inshore fishing pretty heavy too. Um, so we were, you know, I was fishing bass tournaments here in the North Carolina central area. And then we were fishing down at the coast a lot, too, for trout. Um, and I wanted a seven-and-a-half-foot rod that I just couldn't find. That You know, I wanted to, to make where it would cast, a, you know, just a quarter-ounce or an eighth-ounce jig for, for speckled trout, you know, in the sound. or uh, And also for bass fishing, um, throwing, like, light little uh, crankbaits, like a shad wrap, Rapala shad wraps. So, actually, that's how I got going in it. And uh, I came out with, you know, got a blank or two and tried them out started messing around and next thing you know you know you do a couple and you're like oh let's try this you know and and you think well you know back then i was like oh, i'll save money building my own rods and that never happened um you, you, know, <laughs> I, you really don't need you know and the next thing you know you just keep growing and growing and growing and, and uh 
you know, just keep trying to, you know, make yourself better everything that you were doing. Every every rod, you try to make yourself better than what you were the time before. Um, and every day, you're still learning, you know, even to this day. If you're not learning, you ain't living. Yeah, true story right there. That's, hell, that's half my motto for this show. Uh, I like letting a customer pick his colors, and I like, you know, then taking those colors and coming up with a scheme. You know, uh, I really like th- uh, theme-type rods. You know, a guy will say, hey, you know, like I just had one the other day. It actually just got posted. Um, but it was a uh, – it's one of our 8.6 um, metal rods that we use for, uh, say, for blues and albies and uh, Spanish, stuff like that. Well, he ended up wanted a color scheme of the 80s. And he gave me – he shot me a picture of a, uh, this thing from the 80s kind of deal. And so we took those colors – and and put them all together and came up with a wrap, um, you know, for decorative wrap and the guide wraps and uh, matched it to the team. And he was, you know, that's that's my deal is when the customer comes in and says, man, that's exactly what I was asking for. Like, that's it. Um, I like getting in, you know, not getting in their head, but getting in there and trying to figure out where they want to go with this. Um, you know, some customers, you know, they're like, well, just do whatever you want to do. And I'm like, nah, you're going to have to pick the colors. <laughs> all black because that's all i wrap mine at because i just i don't like bling out there i just like it all black uh you know i'm wrapping something that's you know three days before i have a tournament or fishing you know somewhere trip somewhere so i'm like wrapping a rod three days before so we're like oh we're going to do it black and we're going to go fishing don't worry about it so it's usually it and and i'm horrible at picking out colors for myself because i've got so many colors i'll start wrapping i'm like oh i don't like this rip it off and try something else you know okay so the the customer being the driver really gets that. That's your happy right there. So that there's a lot of fun that comes with that. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I mean, you're getting a custom rod. You know, my, my brain says, you know, if I'm getting a custom rod, it's gotta be custom top to bottom because this is, this is my rod. And I, and I am definitely, I mean, I hate to admit it, but we're in counseling right now. Let's talk about this. (laughs) Um, I'm a people pleaser a lot of times. So on that same one, I get it like, Oh, you just pick like, uh, you're going big here. Come on, get in, get in the game. I totally understand where you're going with that. What is the most tedious or difficult part about making a rod? You know, for me, it's a, uh, you got to do like color changes. So you've got like two or three different colors that you're, you're wrapping in that same wrap. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to have those colors hid underneath um, so nothing shows through. Um, so it's all looks professional, but trying to make everything come together. Um, so you have like all your thread that, you know, where connections come together is on the bottom side of the rod, but you try to make even that connection being on the bottom, you want it to look perfect. You have no, um, no over wrapping of stuff, you know, making sure it looks exactly the same, no gaps in your thread. That's, that's where I really focus on, you know, doing the best job on. What do you like better? Do because uh, I'm guessing you do cork. You probably do heat shrink uh, and wrappings like that. Is is there a specific wrap that you personally really like using? Yeah, what we do is we got this, you know, and it's on a lot of my rods in the uh, on the website too that we're selling is a heat shrink that's over top of the blank. Obviously, that we heat shrink down to, but underneath it is a uh, cork tape that we put underneath and then spiral it out so you got ridges going into it mm-hmm. um i really like that we've got a the the ridges that we're putting in ours uh so he it's a the cork tape that we're using is actually a pure cork tape there's no rubberized cork the rubberized cork is a little bit heavier um so we're using that just pure cork um we're getting it from our supplier it's a little bit thinner 
so it looks cool and it doesn't add a bunch of weight to it. It actually hardly adds any weight to the rod because of the cork being, um, you know, the cork's light anyways. Yeah. So we don't add that rubber into it like most say they got nowadays. Um, it comes out a lot lighter and it's pretty cool because everybody's like, oh, it's going to be heavy, you know, because it's got that all in there. And you're like, they pick it up like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like we got a, our, our welder, or not our welder, but our cannon, 10 foot uh, one to four cannon, it weighs right out at like, 10 point like three ounces i think built out wow a cork and a heat shrink that's really smart i mean that's it's, it's like combining the two best parts of the rod with with the grip piece because i mean your, your hand's going to be there the whole time so you need yeah. something that's going to work well but wrap mixing those together i could see how that texture would work out nice uh, uh is there do you like using different guides or is it like hey look i only like using fuji um you know we we're really basically we don't deal with fuji anymore um just for our own you know purposes yeah um but what we do you know like stainless steel things like that we will use um on our on our production stuff but on our surf or on our uh custom stuff we do offer an upgrade and we really do advise um going with the titanium um second that's a really really that's the biggest thing we like doing is, is using actually uh, American tackle guides. They're the tie forge, just a you know kickback type guide. Um, they have them in double foot and single foot runners or single foot guides. Um, so we use those a lot, and uh, we've had really really good you know results out of the last. Oh, let me think how many years we've been using American tackle. We've been using American tackle exclusively for like the last ten years. Okay. So, and you know the the. At one time, we were getting some bad, uh, from other manufacturers, some bad stainless steel, and it was rusting out bad. Um, since then, those companies have actually stepped up their game and gotten better uh, stainless steel. But since then, you know, I went with America Tackle because they had a better, you know, just right out of the box. They never had any issues, so we just stayed with them. All these pieces putting together, you actually segue really nice on my next question. What consideration should be made when building a surf rod? Um, just knowing what your... Uh, grip length you want that's the big thing um and we, we do a lot of say you know we do a lot of 10 footers stuff like that but we also do a lot of like 13 foot what we call hat receiver rods um you know and say you're throwing eight and bait so you're you're going to be in that 10 to 12 ounce that you're really chunking on the beach um a lot of guys are like well i want a 22 inches from the you know the butter rod to the to the real seat it's like well it's a 13 footer and you're trying to throw 12 ounces out there or 10 ounces um you've got to have some length on the rod and, and and we go pretty much on those deals that we got like 29 and a half inches is from the butt of the rod to the to the real seat but our biggest thing is 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 just making sure that you've got a long enough butt on it and and, and you know a lot of guys are like hey i want a 33 inches because i really want to grab a hold of it and because in that box yeah. but i mean the butt length does matter because um i just recently learned this one from uh, a friend of mine he grabbed a rod and uh, he said all right put the reels hold the reel seat now put the arm or the butt of the rod in your armpit mm-hmm. and then where your hand is if you find that distance from where the butt is to your hand if that grip is right there that's pretty much your normal that that's your kind of that that's your good spot for your grip so yeah where i grabbed was different than where you know my buddy justin grabs or where mike grabbed it, everybody had a little bit of differences by one or two inches so right. If, if you know, if I'd gotten a rod that was right there, would that increase my distance? There's a chance, you know. But on that same yeah. one, we're not talking five, six inches of differential there. Right. And that's the thing. Like a lot of guys, 
that are getting into the Hatteras deal right now, you know, since COVID hit, it really took off of uh, fishing on the point at mm-hmm. Cape Hatteras. It was a big deal back in the 70s and 80s and the 90s, um, early 2000s. That was really big days of uh, surf fishing at Cape Hatteras. So went away. Um, you know, when COVID hit, you know, they had to, they didn't have nothing else better to do, so they were going fishing. So that, that really took off. So we're getting a lot of new customers that come in and say, well, look, I got a 10-foot rod, and I've got 22 inches from the bow of the rod to my reel seat. I'm like, yeah, but you've also got a rod that's 13 foot. You got three more foot hanging on the end of it. You got to get that around. And, uh, you know, so you got to get a little bit longer of a, you know, longer of a butt section. Me, personally, like on my 13-foot stuff, I really like to have my hand, like we use conventional. A lot of times we use conventional stuff in that heavy of a range of rods. Where my hand is to where um, the butt of the rod is, I like actually the butt of my 13-footers and stuff like that. I like to have it in the middle of my chest. Like my 10-footer, stuff like that, I like to do it in the mon pit to my to my hand. Well, how long? what did it take for you to find that one out for you, or is that just trial and error? Trial and error. Okay. Just, I did some stuff where I'd, uh, just, I didn't glue up a real seat. I just put it on and kind of had it where I could slide it up and down, but where it was stationary good, you know, <laughs> and I just started messing around with that. That's when we found that out. I was like, okay, this is where you get more distance out of it, you know, where you got to grab it. You know, when you're pulling at your left, you say if you're throwing and you got your hand on the reel and your right hand. Say so when you're pushing and pulling, you know, you're pushing with your right hand in the reel part, but when you're pulling with your left hand, you want to have that leverage to where you can really just, at the same time of pushing and pulling and getting that rod to float up, and to launch the bait that's that's where it's all at is there any rod that you would say is like oh that's going to be a difficult to make kind of setup yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's honest i appreciate you right there i was waiting for like no they're all good i appreciate you right there like yeah there is well i mean you know we got some you know we've got uh most rods are fairly you know i've done it long enough where i know like what we're going to do and how we're going to figure it out um some things like some people come up and they're like, I want all these colors. And they're like, well, you got like 10 colors. You're going to have so many colors on the rod. You're trying to get the customer to understand that, you know, let's pull it down to like five colors. Then we can put it in the rod because otherwise we're just going to have like a rainbow at this thing. Um, <laughs> and you can't come up with no scheme on it. You know what I mean? It's all just randomly all over the place. So that's, you know, that and, and once customers see, they're like, okay, yeah, I see five colors looks better than the 10 I came up with. That works out really well. Um, and our big thing is, uh, for last, I don't know what it is here in the last few weeks, customers that call and I've had several in the last about three months wanting anywhere from 16 to 20 foot rods. What? And, and, uh, yeah. And they're, I'm like, what? I'm like, most people it's hard enough getting a 13 footer around. Um, and then to go to the 14 footer, we do have some 14 foot stuff that we can get. There's several guys that want to. 18 and 20 footers the last two weeks and i was like do you know that like a telephone pole is like pretty much 20 foot and like you've got pretty much a telephone pole is what you're going to be trying to cast um like yeah. unless you're unless you're under a giant i mean he's like well i want to get distance i'm like well that's not where you get distance like i my, myself and everybody's different myself i can get 11 foot further out than than a 13 footer personal preference and what a person's used to and how I can, you know, get the speed into the rod itself. I can do an 11 footer better than I can do 13. Well, I mean, the blank itself is one of the most important pieces. We did a rod demo day on the beach. We, Mike, uh, Mike Smith and I, well, we also do uh, the panhandle fishing report. So we, we set up an event. We brought all our rods out plus some, and then uh, we tried a couple of different rods and there was one 13 foot rod that we 
uh, tried out that we could effortlessly launch uh, significant distance. So I compared that to my um, my Accio's Fury rod. I have a 13-footer on there. And the difference was night and day. I could get more out of that rod than I did the Accios. And it turned out it was the blank. I didn't change anything with my torque or anything with my speeds or anything. I mean, hell, the reels were almost the same. But I think a lot of people forget that length is one thing. But the blank manufacturing, the way the blank is made, the way what is composite or composed of, that is where you get extra distance. Would you agree with that or am I way off? Yeah, and you are. And, and we went, like we're doing you know, our, our own line of rods, plus we're doing um, with uh, night and day, it is light years away from everybody else's stuff, um, you know, ahead of everybody's stuff because the carbon in, that, in their blanks is just phenomenal. It's, uh, you know, like we use their surf machines, the slingshots. Slingshots was several years ago. They came out with them like 10 years ago, really. But, you know, the, the surf machine max, um, the surf machine blanks itself, they're, they're a thicker wall blank but it is so light and it just loads so easy um, that you see it in the way they, they construct that blank. It's just a phenomenal rod. Now, yes, it costs top dollar. It's like the Fiari of fishing rods, but it is the top dog rod out there on the market right now. And you see it, um, like you say, uh, it depends on whose it is and everything and, and what your the carbon content is, what is action of it is and everything like that. Um, that's the big deal. And uh, Century has really took on being one of the best surf rods on the market right now that we can find that's the top of the line. Now yeah. I want to see a Century rod. I've never seen one. I'm going to have to look it up when we're done. Yeah, they're really, I mean, they're the, they're the, they are the Fiori. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> how light they are. And like we're, say, you know, um, most guys, you know, really going back into that new, here in North Carolina, we've always fished with conventional stuff or drums, say. But, you know, the spinning stuff was always kind of frowned upon during the drum guys. Actually, we're going back in that run now. Guys are going into getting um, spinning. So, like, when you go to cast, um, you know, the Century Surf Machines, they have a great, what they call the anti-torsional uh, twist in the blank. So what it does is it holds the blank. Not only does the rod go back and forth when you're casting when you go back to cast and you come hard with the when you're getting ready to cast and you're coming in with the power of that rod that rod is wanting to twist around on you um so not only is it going back and forth you know it's also twisting around back and forth so what it does is you end up having a better cast because the rod's not sitting there doing three different motions at once it's actually not just going back and forth and side to side it's actually going out and not twisting up. So you get a better cast. It's all, you know, every bit of the energy in that blank is just going back and forth and not side to side. Wow. Dang you. I didn't even think about that. All I see, you know, you see the picture, you get that torque in there, you get that nice parabolic bend and the, that piece, but yeah, you took it up a whole nother notch there. <laughs> and you think, like, okay, so you got that spinning rod in your hand. So the, the least resistance for that line, is wanting to go to the bottom side of that guide. So that guide is, whenever you're going in with your cast, it's wanting to turn and it's wanting to twist the top 180 degrees back to you. With the, with those blanks, you don't have that problem at all. And wow. so you you get your distance out because the rod's not sitting there doing 
10 different things and trying to put power into it is just going on and doing its own thing. Okay. No How's the bite detection? It's just, it is the way they, so you have no air pockets in your carbon at all. When they, when they wrap those blanks um, and roll them and put them in the oven, they also put them in an oven that's actually vacuumed. So what it does is it sucks every bit of air out of there. So what it does is it actually pulls all the carbon right down to the mandrel. So you have no air pockets. So every bit of every piece of carbon is transmitting some type of vibration. Oh, jeez. Wow. That's serious science right there. That's smart. We'll, we'll bring this in here. I don't want to take up your whole morning because, I mean, I could talk to you about this for hours. <laughs> get myself in trouble here. What do you wish... Now, people would know about why a custom rod is a good thing and not just a luxury. The of a function of the rod, like, you know, not everybody's got the same length of arms um, or got the same amount of power. Um, you know, getting to where the guides are laid out perfectly for it. The best thing is, is, is say uh, a person comes in and says, I want a surf rod. Well, I'm like, the first question I always ask is what reel you're using on it. Because so then we can match that reel to that rod. So what it does is when we look at it and you look down from the reel, looking down, every reel has um, an angle to it on the spinning reel, say. Um, it's got an angle of what that shaft and that spool is angled at. It's always angled down towards the rod a little bit. Every angle is different. There's not a set standard on reels across the board from you know manufacturers. So what we do is when we set up a rod, it is matched to that, that first guide, that stripping guide, and then all the way out. Every guide is like a is a uh, bullseye. You look down it, and it goes right down through, and then it goes into the runners. So when the line's going, it's shooting into it, and it's not, you know, angled up another way, and it's trying to go up on the, you know, the bottom side of the guide, or it's going in the top side of the guide. It's built exactly for that rod. Um, you know, in our in our deal too, on our custom stuff to what manufacturers doing out there. Manufacturers are putting epoxy on that is setting up within three hours. Because the faster they can get them epoxy out, you know, rods set up, they can put them to the side, get another batch going again. Um, where ours will run it, then, and most customer rod builders are looking for an epoxy that's not super hard brittle. Um, we want it to have durability, and and you know, you know, we don't get all messed up looking over several years. But we also, and so you know, three years down the road, the epoxy don't start chipping off the rod, right. uh, like you know, the store bought stuff. All right, so last two questions for you here. What do you wish a brand-new angler would do before they ever went out and started surfing? Is is learn how to read a beach. You know, just walk down the beach and kind of learn. Uh, watch other people, see what they're doing. Um, you know, certain people you're probably going to watch here and be like, well, that guy don't know what he's doing no more than I do. <laughs> but but you can tell certain guys are in a certain hole, and you and go talk to them. Say, hey, why are you fishing this way? I just want to know because I'm learning. Um, don't be scared to ask questions. And that's the big thing. Um, because once you, you know, a guy can go out there and go fishing and, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm at the beach. I'm ready to go fishing. But did you pick a good hole? Did you, is there a cut here? Is there a slough here? Is there anything? Is it just a black beach and you're trying to get over the bar? What's going on here? Um, that's where you need to be asking yourself questions when you're starting out. Cause that dictates if you really enjoy surf fishing or if it's just, I went out there and fished all day and didn't catch nothing, but a guy down, you know, hundred yards down the beach was catching them all day. I don't know why there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, and either bait different or, uh, he's had fresher bait or whatever it may be, or he may be just in a good hole. Right. Good call. Hey, so there you go. People learn from that one. So how do people get in touch with you? Um, 
or how do they find you to have a conversation about these rods and getting real serviced or just knowledge in general? Um, you know, we can, you can call us on our, you know, our business line there. Um, you can also email us at montscustomrods at gmail.com. Um, we like doing, you know, like to do emails, um, obviously because it helps out on the, uh, um, keeping a track of what's going on and, you know, if there's any kind of changes that you came up with a, on a rod or anything like that. Um, so we do, we do like the emails. Um, you can also find us on the Facebook, um, or Instagram. Um, but you know, most of the time you can just go to our website, motscustomrods.com. You gave me a lot of knowledge today and I know a lot of people have just gained a ton and seriously, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future. I'm sure we absolutely will. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. So thank you again. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on here today. Yeah, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Hopefully you gained a lot of knowledge out of this episode because I know I did, especially in the reels portion. I understood reels a little bit, but I didn't understand as much as I feared I got now. Um, and I feel really confident in my battles. So <laughs> that always helps. Uh, again, if you guys want, I highly recommend it. Reach out to Wes at MottsCustomRods at gmail.com. If you have questions, you can also find them on the fa- on Facebook, Instagram, as Mott's Custom Rods and Reels. And if you are in the market, I think you just heard some of the ones to get with, and you can obviously tell he's going to help you out there. So if this episode helps you, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and then go on over to Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you're following Mott's Custom Rods, like, share, and follow on those ones. It always helps. We help each other out. So thanks a lot for sticking around. Glad I had you here. Thanks for giving us the time. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I will see you next week. Have a great one. Take care of yourselves. I am out of here.